Hello there, and thanks for joining me on today's podcast, Shoplifting and Addictive Shopping. That's the topic today. We're in a uh, shopping season right now, pre-Christmas, and uh, people have this concept that this is the time to buy, and they buy more than they usually do. A recent figure is that the average person spends between five and six hundred dollars during the Christmas season just for extra Christmas shopping. So it's obviously an item in the budget of most people. Most people plan for it. Most people are ready for it. Most people are able to handle it and prepared for it. And um, engage in a behavior that just keeps it within that particular range. Now that's the average. Now that would suggest that there are some people that would spend closer to $200 a year for the Christmas shopping annually. And there are others that would shop closer to the $1,000, $800 during the Christmas season. Everybody has their own budget and their own way in which they can spend money for Christmas gifts and Christmas activities. But um, that's the range. Now, there are a number of people who would obviously overdo that. These are the shopping aholics. People who have to spend, and have to spend a considerable amount of money, regularly, not just at Christmas season, but regularly, to make sure that they have a satisfaction that comes from shoplifting, or shop buying, or shop addiction. And that reminds me of the second area, shoplifting. There are a number of people who shoplift during this season. But, you know, these are the people who shoplift during the year as well. But the temptation is even greater at this time of the year. So these are two major problems that are facing merchants, facing shopping centers, and uh, even the online uh, opportunities to buy are great temptations, you know, for the overspender or for the shopping addiction, you know, person. Now, who is it? Well, it's mainly women. Now, obviously in our culture, women shop more than men. So it's more likely that women will be the shoplifters and the shop addiction buyers. But the also f- the fact is that women are in out of proportion the people who engage in this kind of behavior. More than you would just expect on the basis of the number in our culture and society and the number of women who actually shop. So um, when you take a look at the figures of the number of people who actually shop, shoplifters and shop addiction uh, people are even greater likely to be women. Now, what's the trigger? What causes this kind of behavior to take place? Boredom, yes. It's a way to break boredom. Many people have learned, many women have learned, that uh, going out and shopping breaks their boredom. Coming home and living with what they purchased or what they shoplifted breaks the boredom. Or something that they can share with a friend breaks the boredom. Makes them look good, even though they don't tell their friend really what they did to get it. So boredom is a great factor. Depression is another trigger, another great figure, part of this. People who are depressed are often people who find themselves in a situation where 
they need to change that depression and they have found over time they've learned over time that if you buy something you feel better even if you shoplift something that you can't purchase you don't have the money but you get it, it makes you feel better even though you feel guilty for shoplifting you still feel better for having the item so shoplifting becomes a counter to one's depression addiction buying becomes a counter to one's depression let me tell you two stories some years back a gentleman that I came to know had this idea that he had to spend up to a thousand dollars every Saturday in the town in which he lived going from store to store buying things now legitimately buying them and to a large degree he could handle that kind of purchasing but it started to stretch his ability to pay for it in due time so really he wasn't able to handle that actually he thought he was maybe he could handle it one particular Saturday but maybe not every Saturday but he did it every Saturday it was kind of like his duty and he justified it on the basis it was his duty to advance the economy of his particular community and town and his shopping area so he justified it but really when we got into the issue it was his way of dealing with depression when he bought something he felt good and he felt good for several days and when he was in the middle of the week he started feeling better when he was anticipating the next Saturday going down and buying something and he'd spend time identifying items from catalogs and newspapers and so on that way he, that which he would buy so purchasing became a anti-depression activity both in the buying of it as well as the planning of buying something the catalog shopping if you will gave him a sense of uh, anti-depression so that's how he handled his depression by the way even though he justified it on different grounds altogether and he was fooling himself by believing that he was just helping the economy when actually he was helping his depression but you know his depression never got better by this means it never got better it wasn't until we were able to kind of explore this issue and deal with it change it alter the behavior patterns and then alter the source of his depression that he then became a full and independent and free person otherwise he was addicted he was claimed he was owned he was chained to this concept that he had to pay he had to buy he had to spend every weekend up to a thousand bucks another lady not too long ago elderly lady in her 60s and almost 70 years of age shoplifting for years had been caught by the police on at least two or three prior occasions but didn't stop it she'd be on probation and she'd keep on shoplifting get caught again be on probation and keep on shoplifting she did that on several occasions until finally the court and the attorney said you need to have somebody take a look at this with you so I saw this person as a therapist and um, began to explore you know the whole background of her history of shoplifting now this is like a 20-year history of shoplifting now you can imagine how much stuff a woman would acquire over 20 years by shoplifting all hid from her husband because she would hide in the closet and then not take it out or take it out after weeks and months so he wouldn't even know how she got it 
But what was the deal in this whole thing? What was in back of it? Well, here was the deal. We found out this as we explored her life. She grew up in a home of a couple brothers, and she was the girl. She was the last one. The father took to her like glue. She was the choice child for him. She gave this little girl everything she wanted. The mother, on the other hand, countered it by giving her hardly anything. The mother was stingy and tough and abusive, harsh, hard. But the father gave her everything she wanted. So she began to believe that she could have everything, you know, she wanted. Then she got into the age of around 20 and she got married. And she lived with a husband who gave her nothing. Married a man who kept the purse strings to himself. Married a man who gave her just a few dollars to spend on groceries per week, but nothing for personal spending. And this was a real dichotomy for her, to have a childhood history of having everything she wanted, and then a marriage that started out with having hardly anything she wanted. And that lasted for years. So how did she handle her life? When she wanted something, she, couldn't, she wouldn't get the money from her husband. Couldn't save it, so she went out and shoplifted. And did that for years and years and years. And that's how she supported herself. And got the things she wanted and got the joy of possessions through the shoplifting. Because she wanted to live the life that her father raised her by and taught her to live. Not the life of the husband. So there are reasons usually. There are underlying reasons for why people shoplift and why people engage in addictive shopping. And uh, it usually has an emotional factor associated with it. Now, there are other, some other factors that come into play, such as easy credit. When you have easy credit, you know, you can kind of do anything. Um, all you have to do is uh, whip out a credit card, and there it is. And if nobody knows what's going on, you can pay it off on time and go for more credit. And if you just gauge yourself in your shoplifting or your, your shop buying behavior, according to your credit, you could manage it and keep it from knowledge of anybody else. So easy credit certainly, you know, was a part of the uh, motivation to engage in this kind of behavior. And um, we have a system of easy credit, and therefore that encourages, you know, that kind of behavior, unfortunately. Online shopping is another one. You know, it's very easy. Online shopping is easy. You can just call up and give a credit card and you get your item in the mail and there you got it. You got your joy for the day and you got something to live for as it comes in the mail. And then you engage in it again and you repeat that pattern again. So it's easy credit and online shopping. All the options that are available there. And obviously stores have a variety of policies regarding shoplifting. You know, I know of a store, and I know the manager of the store, who says, you know, our shoplifting policy is this. We do nothing. We let them go. He says it costs us more to hire security guards and to arrest somebody and go down to the court and go through a whole court proceeding and maybe even be arrested, or I mean, be sued, for the fact that the guard offended them in some way. 
So they'll have to stand a lawsuit. And they have found that the cost to prevent shoplifting is so much greater than just letting it happen that they've chose that as the option. Just let it happen. And whenever they can prevent it a little bit, they'll prevent it as much as they can. But rather than to intercede and to intervene and to uh, hire all the uh, guards and all that's necessary to stop it, they just let it go. Well, if somebody knows that, if somebody finds that out, that's an open invitation to making that store a target of shoplifting. So, and by the way, it's not a target store. Uh, but um, that store can be then the identified store in the community for shoplifting. And more of it can take place. But it's expensive. And that's what shoplifters know. All they have to do is yell some kind of foul that they've been abused or falsely accused or something like that, file a lawsuit, and they know they'll win because stores don't want to pay the price to go all the way through a court hearing and defend themselves accordingly. So it's a messy area. It's one that uh, is uh, prevalent and pronounced and profound within our communities. But um, people engage in this kind of behavior, and uh, you'll see it all around yourself. Psychologically, and within the area of the personality of the individual, we have a term that we call impulse control problems, and that's what this falls under, that impulse control. Now, for most people, sure, they have the impulse to, start, to shoplift. For most people, they have the impulse to overshop and to overspend and to get in that kind of engaged behavior that they have to spend so much per week or per month. But you know what they do? They say, no, thank you. They hold back. They pull back on the reins. In other words, they control their impulses. See? But for the shoplifter and for the overshopper, the one that is addictive shopping, they get tempted and they go for it. They don't pull back. They don't limit. They don't control that impulse. They let the impulse control them. And they engage in these kind of behaviors. So it's an impulse control problem. Everybody gets the impulse to shoplift, but only a few shoplift. Because most of us have what is impulse control. It's like we, that's what we teach our children. Of course the children get tempted to take things out of the store and to shoplift. Every kid has that experience, perhaps, or certainly tempted. But you teach your child impulse control. Even though you might like it, it's not proper. Even though it's tempting, even though you might enjoy it, it's not appropriate. It's not honest. It's not right. So you teach the impulse control. But for some kids, they haven't learned impulse control. And this lady that I just referred to did not learn impulse control. Her father raised her to have anything she wanted. Whenever she wanted it, all she had to do was ask. And he even offered it beyond that. So there was no impulse control taught to her. She just went on with it. But now we're over, over two years now of no shoplifting. Once she was able to put together this story of her life and understand what it was that was in back of all that shoplifting. And uh, she had known that earlier. It saved her a lot of problems and saved a lot of stores a lot of money. But um, we do what we do. So it's kind of an example of what takes place in therapy, by the way. And uh, how you treat you know, some of these kind of problems. They have a root. You know, they have a uh, 
a contingency. There are circumstances that kind of control that behavior. And when you, I can unfold that and identify those circumstances. <coughs> can identify those circumstances, you can start solving the problem. And helping people get out of their addictions and helping people get out of their inappropriate bad behavior. So there you are. That's uh, shoplifting and uh, addictive shopping buying. And um, two major problems. Keep an eye for that in your own life. Keep an eye for that in the people that you deal with. Keep an eye on that in your children. Keep an eye for that when you are out shopping. You notice people. Just watch. Look for it. You'll see it. Just follow some of the people that you shop alongside of. And uh, observe their kind of behavior. And you might see the very things that we just been talking about. But um, take care of yourself first. Okay? Make sure you don't get into this kind of behavior. And if you're in it, this is something for you. Get into therapy and get this thing taken care of, okay? Hey, nice to talk to you. Go to my website, booksbyhedberg.com. And uh, a lot of books there that might be of great help to you. If children, Kids Alive is a great book. You know, if you have a health problem, go to the book on achieving and living a healthy lifestyle in a world of stress. You need to learn how to live better, have a, a more quality life. Look at the book, Living Life at Its Best, based on emotional intelligence and how you can improve your own emotional intelligence. These are good features and factors to kind of, you know, bring together, okay? So, if you have a lock problem, go to Lehman Lock and Safe. Lehman, L-E-H-M-A-N. Lehman Lock and Safe is in Fresno on Shaw Avenue near 1st. And here's his phone number if you want to give him a call tomorrow, 228 1805. If you have a lock problem, a key problem, he'll take care of it in great style. Tell him I sent you, okay? Bye for now.